0: at Matthew chapter 13, and I'm um, going to be carrying on um, our series here, and we're talking about declaring the kingdom. We're looking at Jesus' ministry through the lens of Matthew, and he's very structured in how he, how he pieces the book together, and so we get to the first parables um, in the book of Matthew, and so you've got a series of parables in this chapter, and uh, he's kind of making one big point, and we'll, we'll perhaps cross over that at the end, um, but the one I want to focus on is the first uh, parable, which is the parable of the sower. Um, It's possible if you've been in church a long time that you may have heard this parable before. It's an interesting one to preach on because Jesus basically says the parable and then goes away with his disciples and then explains the parable. And so it's a bit tricky as a preacher because the idea is you take the passage and then you explain the passage to everyone and Jesus has already done that for me. So hopefully I'm not going to say anything that contradicts what he says and uh, you can scream and shout at me if I do. Um, But what I want to do is is let the, the words of Jesus sit over us this morning, and, um, and I'm praying that, that they take root. And so I'm going to start by praying because that is my best hope this morning and yours as well. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, that seed that we're going to look at this morning, Lord, it, it, it lands on different types of soil. Lord, the human heart has different kinds of soil. And so God, I pray this morning that there will be good soil for this word to land in. Lord, I pray where there are hard hearts, I pray that you are beginning the process of breaking up that hardness, that rockiness. Lord, that, that there will be good soil underneath. Lord, it is a work of your spirit to take the seed and plant it. And Lord, it is our job to just scatter the seed. I say, Lord, help me to do that well this morning. I pray for your presence with us. I pray for my brothers and sisters here, Lord, and everyone in this room. Lord, that they will hear from you this morning. Lord, will you encourage us? Will you strengthen us? Lord, will your word take root and produce a harvest 30, 60, or 100-fold? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So um, let's read the passage together, and then we'll we'll work our way through it. I'm hoping Richard's going to click along for me as I work my way through my PowerPoint in whatever order comes to me. But let's read together. So Matthew 13 from verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. So it's always good to take in the descriptions of of where Jesus is when he's talking. So he goes out of his house and he sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. Obviously a safe place to be because you can get away. While all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying hundred sixty or thirty times what was sown whoever has ears let them hear so he's not excluding anyone there the disciples came to him and asked why do you speak in parables and so the, the position shifted slightly there. it's just him and the disciples he replied because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you but not to them whoever has will be given more And they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, so he's quoting Isaiah here. Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. And they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes. So he's back to the disciples. Because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a 160 or 30 times what was sown. The end. There you go. I've said the preach, He's explained it, and, and we all get it. Um, we're going to look at the, the four types of seed. I think when you're preaching, you're always thinking about, you know, how can I convey the message? How can I uh, express things in the right way? How can I connect with the people? And I think Jesus is saying something here that, that actually I, I can't do. This is something as a preacher. I can't change the soil that I'm scattering the seed into. And so what he's referring to here is there are four different positions, if you like, that you might be sitting in this morning. And he's saying, he who has ears, let him hear. We all have ears, right? But metaphorically, there are some ears that are going to hear one thing and there are other ears that are going to hear something else. And so one of the things I want to encourage you to do as I go through this this morning is to think, where do I sit? Where is the soil in my heart? When I hear this preach? what is going on inside of me and so a little bit of self-analysis and so the temptation sometimes is to critique the preacher i've been there i've done it but i want you to critique yourself this morning if that's all right i'm going to say what's in front of me but as it's going in think about what you're thinking about it's really good to do i've sat here before and i've heard people preaching and it could be a great message and i'm thinking about lunch or i'm thinking about the football match that's on in the afternoon or i'm thinking about the trials and troubles that i'm going through we're going to look at all those things, but I'm just doing this up front just to help prepare the soil as much as I can for you to self-reflect self a little bit and, and take in what's being said. So I encourage you to stay awake unless you're under the age of three. Hello, Isaac. He has ears to hear, but he does not understand. Here's Isaac, isn't he? I got that right. Did I? Good. Just checking. Um, so... Let's have a look then at the four types of, um, of soil or landing places that the seed go. So the seed is, is the word of God. So the seed is the gospel or the words of scripture that, that we preach and we proclaim. Okay. So there's nothing wrong with the seed if it's out of the word of God. We believe that's good and it's pure and it's healthy and it, it can produce life. But the issue is the soil and that's what we're looking at. So it says in uh, number one, a farmer went out to sow seeds. This is the seed that falls on the path. Okay, so think about this. Is this me? That's what you should be asking yourself each time. Farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. And so what I've done here, hopefully on the screen, if you click, Richard, do you, could someone just turn the, the lights out on there? Because you can't see that very well, can you? Um, oh, sorry, I've missed the four points, so we'll go through those first. The seed that falls on the path, seed that falls on rocky ground, just covered that in the passage. Next one, there, seed that falls among the thorns, and then the seed that falls on good soil. So we'll look at each one. If you could click on, Richard, to. So the seed that falls on the path. I could probably click from here, couldn't I? There we go. So the hearer hears the message but does not understand. And so the two, the two points together are a farmer went out to sow seed. As he was scattering his seed, some fell on the path, birds came to eat it up. And then Jesus' explanation of what that means in verse 18 listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So the hearers are hearing the message. Now Jesus is standing there. There's Pharisees there. They know their Bible. They go to synagogue every week. It's not that they don't think they're the people of God. And so it would be easy to see that. I think, well, that must just be all the people that aren't here this morning. But the question is, The people that were listening, the the people that were there, they they believed that they were God's people. They were God's chosen people. And he's speaking to them directly. And of course, he quotes that bit in Isaiah and he says, You know, this is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not understand. You'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. Ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, see with their eyes, sorry, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. So there's a, there's a compassion in here from Jesus towards the hard heartedness of these Pharisees. And that's who he's addressing with it. But the, the danger is, is that the Pharisees didn't know they knew they were Pharisees, but we use Pharisees in a different, different way today. Pharisees used to be a good term. We would call someone a Pharisee now, and it would be a derogatory term. These were the religious men. These were the good people that, that people looked up to and said, wow, these guys, they love God. Look at them. Look how holy they are. And there people like that where, where you can look around. And, you, and we do see it. We see people that have great ministries do amazing things for God. And then one day, actually, you find out that, that it was all fake. They were forever hearing, but, but it wasn't going through. And so it's possible for someone to come to church every single week throughout their life, to hear, to have the seed thrown at them every single week. And it's like they're this hard path and it's never getting through. And yet they're sitting under the word of God and they think, yeah, I'm good. I've got this. I'm here. It's great that I'm here. You know, great for everyone else. You're welcome. There's, a, there's an attitude in there. Now, it doesn't come out quite that obviously, but actually other people see it sometimes. And so the challenge this morning is, that, and I think there is a little bit of all of this in all of us. And so it's good to sort of take it and think, where do I do that? Where is my heart hard? And I think if you've become a Christian, you'll be able to look back and see when you were like this. And at some point, God actually broke something. He smashed through that path and got to the good soil underneath. And so it's very easy to come here and sit here and think because you're here that somehow you're a Christian or somehow God must be pleased with you. So if that's your attitude, if that is how you attend and you think, well, I'm here, I'm not really interested in doing any more. I'm kind of ticking this box. I give my 10%. This is what the Pharisees did. They tithe their herb cupboard. That's how holy they were. They were like 10% of rosemary, 10% of thyme. It's ridiculous because they thought they were completing and fulfilling some test that would make them acceptable to God. And so then when Jesus came and preached the truth and explained what the Old Testament really said, they didn't want to hear it because they thought they were okay. They were self-righteous. And so the danger is that we become like this, that our hearts are hard So it's really good just to reflect on that. I think, where's the hard areas of my heart? An easy way to find it sometimes is how critical we are of other people. So often a good sign of a hard heart is that you notice what everyone else does that's wrong. I have one of those. It really annoys me. We need Jesus to come and he says otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. So he's not condemning them, but he's just saying if you stay like that, you are condemned. And we'll come towards that at the end. And so that's the first one. And he talks about Satan snatching the seeds away as they have no root. So every time the seed comes, and gets thrown out, you hear it and Satan just comes and goes, I'm having that. It's a hard heart. Just take that away. That word's never going to get through. It says in John 10, and Jesus speaking here, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. But the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. There is an enemy who wants to come in and take away the word of God from our hearts. And if we have a hard heart, that makes it a lot easier for them to do that. So number two, the seed that falls on rocky ground. It says, the hearer receives it with joy, but when suffering comes, they fall away. So quoting the two passages again, so some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. So this is verse five and six. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. And then in verse 20, Jesus interprets this and says, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And I think being in church leadership, we've seen this over the years. We do things like Alpha and stuff like that and people come in and they, they, they meet the church and they think, this is a wonderful place and, and it's, it's so friendly and everyone's so great and I come in and, and then they go on an Alpha course and, and they hear the preaching and they say, oh yeah, I want to become a Christian. This is wonderful. And then they find out that becoming a Christian doesn't mean that all your problems go away. That life is still tough. And actually, the God who we worship calls us to a new life a life of holiness and putting away things that that the world would say are good. Turning our back on things that that the world would say, well, what are you, a bigger or something like that because you think that's sinful? And all of a sudden our reputation starts to get damaged because we're a Christian because we've chosen to follow Jesus. And and then we find out that God calls us to to give and to to take our hard-earned money and to give it back to the church and to... And to be generous and to tithe when we don't really have that much. And we start to get challenged by all these things. We think, hang on a minute, this isn't what I signed up to. I thought I was just joining this wonderful club of lovely people and they were just going to take care of my needs. And you know, if I need something, I can go and ask them, they'll help me out. And all of a sudden the joy starts to fade. Because you realize that Jesus says, all who should follow me should pick up their cross. That actually there is a cost to discipleship. There's a cost to following Jesus. It'll cost you absolutely everything. Maybe we need to invite people in with that first of all. come to Alpha. It's going to cost you everything. <laughs> come and get at least people will know what they're coming into. And I think we can miss that sometimes, and, and, and realize now I say it costs you everything. It's, the more you give up for Jesus, the more you realize there's nothing you can give up for Jesus. What good is it to forfeit your soul but gain the whole world? So we don't pursue the things of this world. Actually, when we give our life up for Jesus, he's already given his life up for us. And we gain everything that is his for eternity. But we don't always gain it in this life. And so to follow Jesus and to trust in what he says and to always tell the truth and be honest, I mean, that's expensive. That's expensive. Because it is so easy to shortcut by just slightly deceiving someone. Maybe you're doing your tax return or your expenses at work or you get something from a shop. I did it yesterday, actually. I took the kids swimming and paid for three kids instead of four. Now, it wasn't a deliberate mistake, and I went back afterwards and said, "Look, I'm really sorry, because Rebecca said, hang on a well, you haven't paid for me. And it's because we booked it, but I won't try and justify myself. Um, I realized what I'd done, and there was a part of me that thought, well, they're not really going to care anyway. And it was so tempting to just, because they let us in, we'd been swimming, and I thought, I can't, I can't walk away from this, I need to just go and tell them and say, well, actually, we took four children. in.'" But you see how easy that is to do? Now, as it happened, she couldn't put it through the system, with, oh, don't worry about it, but, which was great, it was God's blessing, but I'm glad I still did it, because I could have just walked off, and it wouldn't have mattered, and it would me five quid. Um, But it's so easy, isn't it, in our hearts to justify those things. And that's a silly little example and there's much bigger, more serious examples. I remember years back, I was um, living in a flat that was owned by the guy that I worked for and he just wanted to pay me less money and take the flat money out because it saved him tax, it saved me tax. It was a good deal for everyone. And I I did it. I was like, this is great. I had debt at the time and couldn't really afford to live there and, and it made it affordable. And I remember God challenging me on it and I thought, oh, do you know what? I have no idea how he's going to react if I tell him, because he's my boss. My brother lived with me, which meant his rent was going to go up as well. And he's not a Christian. And I just felt I just needed to do what was right. It was going to cost me, and I did it. And it cost me. But do you know what? He took it really well. My brother took it really well. It was no, They were near as bad as I thought it was going to be. And actually a cascading chain of events happened after that that put me into a new job with more money and things like that. And I'm not saying that wasn't the reason for doing it, but God really blessed me afterwards. But there was a cost involved in doing what was right and following Jesus. And I say it because that's the temptation of every human heart, isn't it? Is we don't want to pay the price. But what we gain in return is much, much greater than anything we could give up. If you're a Christian, one day you're going to stand face to face with Jesus at the very beginning of eternity and whatever sacrifice you've made in this life is just going to seem so insignificant and so worth it that's what's ridiculous so there's nothing we can give up even our own lives that isn't one day going to be worth it on every level but it's going to make it hard in this life and so what happens is in this part here is that the seed it it hits there and it lands with joy because there's so much good in in what we have as Christians and the church and the family of God and everything else. Imagine it in another context where there's massive persecution. To come and receive it with joy, knowing that you're in a church where you have to hide and you could be killed for believing in Jesus. That if your family found out, they would execute you. How does that work? There's a real cost there, isn't there? And so we have it a little bit easier in this country at the moment. But when that persecution comes, sometimes people just fall away, and it's really sad when we see it happening. I thought it was good what Linda brought earlier, just in Hebrews 12, and it follows on from a passage of talking about the faith of all the people in the Old Testament. And So much of it is about people taking risks and giving things up for God, and yet God really honors them and says, no, these are the people of faith, the men and women that have gone before and we can look at people around us that have done these things and be encouraged. And I want you to be encouraged. If you've got challenge in your life at the moment and you're, you're tempted to go, oh, it's too hard. I want you to look at other Christians, mature Christians, read your Bible and see people that gave up everything for God and how he blessed them and how he continues to bless them through eternity. That's why we do it. And then number three, the seed that falls among the thorns. The hearer hears the word. And then the worries of life, the cares of life, life, and the deceptiveness of wealth choke it. See, it says that worry and wealth will choke God's word in your life. This is such a big one for us, isn't it, in the West? Because we are so wealthy. And we're so wealthy that we can't see it. I was thinking about this this morning. I was thinking, oh, if I had how much more money would I need to be content? How much would I need to earn before I feel like I could just give the rest away? And I'm thinking, I'm not sure I'm there yet. I'm not sure I've got quite enough because there's things that I want to extend the house. I want to, um, you know, buy some new things. I want to do some stuff up. I want to change some doors at home. I want to, there's all these things that I could spend money on. I think, if i get those things right. Then I'll just, I'll give the rest away, God. So if you could just give me an extra 50 grand a year, Sort out those things. And then anything beyond that you give me, I've heard people say it before, oh, I'm just praying that God will let me win the lottery and I'll only keep a million and I'll give the rest away. So what you're asking for is for God to give you a million pounds. Really. And it's that, there's something in us, isn't there, that we'd never quite have enough. We never felt, Johnny brought it actually, didn't he, about the, the rich ruler and, there's, there's always a sense he, he went away, saying so he came to Jesus and said, Look, I've done everything, you know, I've followed all the commandments all the days of my life and he was really proud and arrogant. But he thought he was being good, he was coming to Jesus and saying and he's like, What more could I do? And he's like, Sell everything you've got and come and follow me. He says he went away sad because he had so much possession so many possessions. And there's something about our modern life, our Western life in this year, in this time, we have so much that it costs us an awful lot more perhaps than people who have nothing to say actually yeah i'll give everything up the more you have the harder it is to give it all up for jesus and so where we pursue wealth and riches and bigger houses and better holidays and all of that it just makes it harder i said so there is something about going do you know what i just i just want to keep it simple i want to give these things up i want to set a bar of what it looks like to live and, and, and to make those sacrifices before you have it and not pursue wealth and riches because actually there is a deceitfulness to it. If I just had a little bit more, I could do this, 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 and this. Where are you thinking that? Because then when Jesus comes in and says, says, well, I just want you to give everything up for me. I just want you to lay, pick up your cross and carry it, lay down your life for me. You know, whatever you own, just consider it all as mine. The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it. Do you feel like that about your possessions? Now, I think if you're a Christian, there will be a desire in you to actually be like that—to say, "No, I—I I want to be able to give up. I, I don't want to hold on to anything. God, there shouldn't be anything in my life that I wouldn't let you have if you wanted it. And then He may do it, because it's one thing to say it and to feel it. It's another thing to to give it up and say, God, I'll give you my time. I'll give you my reputation. That's a hard one, hard one for me. I'll give you my control, Another hard one for me. There's things that we have in our world that we live in today that, that we're just, the idea of giving them up is terrifying. But Jesus says, actually, there's a, there's a kind of soil that that's really dangerous for. Says how hard it is for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. It's quite tricky. And yet, with God, with man it's impossible, but with God everything is possible. So it's not that we can't be saved. But actually there's a work that Jesus does in our heart that enables us to go, God, everything I have is yours. My time, my family, my job, my wealth, my house, it's all yours, God. Do with it what you want. Help me not to store up treasure on earth, but to gain treasure in heaven. Sobering, isn't it? You can feel it in your heart. You can feel the... And Jesus is standing there saying that and saying, yeah. And disciples, they did. They gave up everything. They, most of them died. I think out of the 12, 11 of them died because they. their Well, Judas, obviously, slightly different. But the others, they, all, they were all executed for their faith. They didn't finish their life to an old age. And that was okay. They were willing to give up their lives for the gospel because they got this. They understood it. And then you've got number four. The seed falling on good soil, so the hearer hears the word and understands it. it. Says, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is verse twenty-three. Sorry, this is the one who produces a crop yielding hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. There's something incredible about what God does in the life of a Christian when that good soil is there, and He puts the soil there. Now we read in other parts of the Bible that, that God chose us before the foundation of the world. That Jesus knows his sheep, and the sheep hear his voice and they follow him. There is something in our salvation that we've all fallen short of the glory of God, that none of us are righteous, not even one. And yet God chooses us, he saves us, he puts good soil in our hearts. But he says that all who come to him, he will receive And so there's no one excluded from this. Maybe you're sitting here, the goal this morning is not to make anyone feel condemned. But it could be that there are people who are condemned that need to come to faith in Jesus. To come and find that good soul, to soften your heart and say, Jesus, I want this. I don't want to stand there on that day of judgment when you separate the sheep and the goats. You get the analogy there, sheep and goats from a distance, they look the same. And there's going to come a day, it says, in, um, later on in Matthew, where you've got the sheep on one side and the goats on the other. And it's going to be too late then. It says there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, that there will be an eternal fire. And we don't like to talk about these things, it's so offensive. But what if it's true? Would we not be wrong to not say these things if it was true? Jesus said it. And so when we preach the gospel, we preach the whole counsel of God. There is a hell. It is an eternal judgment. The Bible's really clear. Jesus is really clear on it. People try so hard to make it not eternal because they just think it makes God look mean because they judge God. But Jesus was clear. There is eternal suffering and there is eternal joy. And we can come to Jesus and receive eternal joy. And he calls everyone to do it. It says it's God's intention that no one should perish, that everyone should come to the knowledge of the truth. And so he invites everyone in over and over again. How often have you heard this message? Are you coming to him? Are you laying down your life? Are you saying, Jesus, I want everything that you have to offer me, and I'm willing to give up everything that I have in order to get it. When you read the rest of this passage... He goes on to talk about some other parables, and, and he finishes with three parables about the... If you, if you look in, in your passage, I don't think I've got it on the, uh, on the screen behind me. But He talks about the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl, verse 44. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and brought that field. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Again, I said this earlier, Luke nine twenty-five. what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? So that's what Jesus is offering you this morning. Saying, come to me. We said it last week. Come to me, all who are heavy laden and weary. I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. That's what Jesus invites you into this morning. It's going to cost you everything. But you're going to gain everything in exchange. You're going to gain Jesus. You're going to gain eternity with him. And so... As we come to a conclusion, I I think it's important to look at the impact on this of our lives and and what we do with it, because this isn't just about us and and the seed and the soil that we're sitting in, but actually there is a crop that is produced 30, 60, or 100-fold. And you see it in the picture there I put up. It's just this idea that, that actually true faith bears fruit, it's one of the ways that we can be encouraged when we look around and we see people coming to faith, we start to see fruit. Jesus said it again, you know, you can judge a tree by its fruit. Good tree produces good fruit. Bad tree produces bad fruit. It's all about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. Is that right, Mel? Nine? I was thinking of the song. Are you seeing that in your life? Are you seeing God producing these things in you? And then you've also got the fruit of the gospel. You know what was so encouraging was at Christmas was just seeing all these people coming in. And there were half the room was full of people I'd never seen before. And then everyone I spoke to, oh yeah, I live near Mel and Neil. Oh yeah, I work with Alice. Oh yeah, I live near Mel and Neil as well. It's like, when I work with Alice as well. And I'm... And I'm sure there were others of you that invited people and they came in as well. But it was, it was amazing to see the fruit of what was clear gospel fruit. And I'm not saying all those people came became Christians, but what we did was we threw seed on them. And we threw seed on them. It's not our job to save people. When you share the gospel with someone, you can't save them. All you can do is declare the word of God. And the way that we do that, we can, we can definitely put people off. You can do it really badly. But actually, even when you do it really well, you still can't save someone. And yet Jesus calls us to do that, doesn't he? He sent his disciples out. And he sends us out. And we want to go out and we want to tell people about Jesus. And so the good soil, one of the effects of that is that you actually won't be able to help yourself. Because when you love Jesus enough to give up everything... And then you encounter someone that's really struggling in life or you're working with them, or even if they're not struggling, they might have a really good life and you are concerned about their eternal life that they're going to have separated from God. And the effect of being a Christian, the effect of God being at work, the effect of the Holy Spirit in your life means that you just, even if you're not telling everyone all the time, you will have a desire in your heart to share at whatever opportunity God gives you. And as you do that, it's going to land on those four different types of soil. And sometimes you're going to see real fruitfulness. It's a guarantee that there will be fruitfulness. But the more seed you throw, there's 30 times, there's 60 times, there's 100 times. So there is an encouragement for us today to say, we need to share this message. We need to make sure we've understood it ourselves and we've heard it for ourselves, and that we're willing to give up whatever we need to in order to walk with Jesus, to grow in our relationship with Him, to love Him, and to demonstrate that. And then that will overflow naturally into the relationships that we have. So, how are you doing with your witnessing? You're not called to have a really clear, you know exposition of the Bible to be able to answer every question people have. You're called to be wit to say, this is what Jesus has done for me. I don't know if it would help you, but this is what he's done for me. You're called to love people that don't know Jesus, not to judge them. We're not called to judge the world. But we're also not called to leave the world. Sometimes there's a temptation. Sometimes we need to get out of difficult situations. And sometimes we need to grow our roots and we need to stay away from people that are bad influences and things like that. But as Jesus changes and transforms us, sometimes he sends us back into situations. I remember it myself, when I first became a Christian, I was still hanging out with all my friends and, and all the temptations of the things that I used to do were still there. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh no, I'm still doing these things. Am I really a Christian? And I realized one day, actually, I just need to get away from those things. Yeah, We're called to flee temptation, not to fight it. But over the years, as I matured, as i Broke some of my habits and things. Like, I was able to go back to those people and, and meet with them in a very different way and, and just tell them what God had done for me. And over the years, I've seen some of those people start to show an interest. I haven't seen any real fruit in some of my old friendship groups, but I've started to see things at work and God at work in people. And I'm just getting opportunities just to share stuff and, and tell them what I think without being too intense or saying, So, you're going to give your life to Jesus? It's like, it's appropriate. But then there is also a call to a mission. There's a call to share the gospel with those that God has brought into our lives, but there is also a call to break new ground. And sometimes we do need to go out beyond the four corners of the church. Sometimes we need to go overseas, and it's re- really good that we've got this opportunity in a couple of weeks' time. I mean, if, it could be that God has put it in your heart to take the gospel to an unreached people group. He has to do that with people, and there are people going... And we need to be sending people. And it might be that God's put a call in your life. Say, actually, I, I don't want to just keep this for the people here. Most of this country will have heard the gospel. At least once. Guarantee it. But there are places in the world that it's still not got to. And God is wanting to do that as well. I said, maybe ask, you know, is that something God is putting on your heart? It may not be for now. It might be in the future. But come along on the Sunday night and hear what Adam's doing and with his church in London and everything else. It's really exciting because it's an opportunity to then send people out because we want the gospel to go to the four corners of the earth. Amen? And we want everyone to come to the knowledge of God. And we don't want to be a hindrance to that. So we'll finish here, but I just, I'd love us to pray. Um, And what I don't want want you to feel this morning is it could be, and it's more likely this way, that if you're a Christian this morning, you could be sitting there going, oh, man, this is terrible. I feel awful. Maybe I'm not a Christian. The grace of God is incredible. It's not that you become a Christian and then all the sin goes from your life and and you get everything right straight away. Actually, it's about the desire of your heart and, and the trajectory that you're on. And God saves us and he sanctifies us, and it's a lifelong process. It's actually a really good sign if you're sitting here feeling a bit, oh, I need to think about some things. But there's also the, the opposite is true. They're sitting thinking, no, I've got this. I'm cool. Yeah, well done, well said. Tell them, you tell them all. They need to hear that. I'm so glad he's saying that this morning. That person, oh man, I've been thinking for ages I needed to say this to them. That's potential hard ground. Be very, very worried if that's what you're sitting there thinking every week. Or maybe you're just critiquing me. How you receive this word will give you an idea of how hard or how soft your heart is. And so I want to be a little bit brutal in delivering it because that's how Jesus delivers it. Because it's like, to break through hard ground, you've got to hit it really hard sometimes. Do you know where your eternal destiny is? Do you love Jesus and want to make him Lord of your life? Do you confess your sin regularly? Do you say sorry? Do you ask for forgiveness? Do you come to him? Do you read your Bible? Do you pray? Do you give generously? Are you full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control? Do you see that fruit at work in your life? Or have you just decided, oh yeah, I'm okay, I'm good enough? Come to Jesus this morning. Repent of hard-heartedness. He says, and he'll turn and heal you. Gives you that opportunity this morning. So I'm going to pray. Why don't you stand? Perhaps um, Steve and um, Alice could come back up. We'll come back to worship, but I think let's just take a moment. We'll have a little bit of silence, I think, just to reflect, because I think it's so easy to miss this. And I I don't want anyone here this morning to miss this. I I just love seeing God at work in people's lives. I love seeing God at work in my life. And so many times the hardness has built up and I've been tempted to avoid difficulty. To not confront the reality of my own sin because it's horrifying. But the only thing that's worse than that is to not confront it. And so we just take a moment, I think just for personal reflection, for repentance. Just think about what the Holy Spirit has been saying in your heart this morning as you've been listening. Can you hear what I'm saying? Can you hear what Jesus is saying? Holy Spirit, we just invite you now to break hard ground or to bring us all to a place of repentance. Not condemnation. God, that is not the goal this morning. Lord, that is something in the future that you will bring. But it's not now. Lord, you offer salvation, you offer grace, you offer mercy, you offer forgiveness, you offer compassion, you offer us love, you offer us friendship, you offer us healing. God, will you open people's ears this morning to hear the truth of your gospel? God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Thank you, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. Suffer my heart. Help me to give up the things that I'm clinging on to that I think will satisfy me more than you. Help me to let go. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning. Lord, I pray that The cry of their heart will be, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus, they were your words as you took the cup of the wrath of the Father. And you didn't want to drink it because you didn't want to be separated from your heavenly Father. But you drank it so that we wouldn't have to, so that we wouldn't have to face that eternal separation. I say, Lord, knowing that you've done that for us, Lord, will we spend the rest of our lives doing that for you, saying, not my will, but your will be done, Jesus. Take my life. Let it be everything, all of me. Will we share the gospel with others? Will we give up the comfort of this life in order to go and share the gospel with the ends of the earth? Lord, there'll be some here that you're calling them to do that. Give them the freedom and the release to do that, Lord, this morning. And Lord, we share it with our friends and our families, no matter what the damage is to our reputation. And Lord, we see fruit. I pray for fruitfulness that will come out of this. 30, 60, 100 fold. Lord, you promise it. God, thank you that you're so good. We love you. We want to come back and worship you now and give you all the glory. Thank you that you're gentle and kind, that you're lowly and humble in heart, and that you give rest to all those that come to you. Lord, let us come to you now. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's worship.